It's time for Heat Wave Sports. Sit back and relax as you take a tour around the world of sports each and every Saturday and Sunday night. And now, your hosts for Heat Wave Sports, Tim Unglesby and Tom Barton. Welcome on in to Super Sunday Night Edition of Heat Wave Sports, Fox Sports Radio, Las Vegas. It's Tim Unglesby and Mateo with you tonight in Vegas and my co-host, New York City Zone, Tom Barton Sports Zone, Tom Barton. Tommy, overreaction Sunday is here. Oh, it is here and we are massively overreacting. If you guys are on social media, you can see it if you... uh, are listening to fans around the country, you can see it. If you're turning on your local shows, if you're turning on the NFL Network or on all the big networks, Tim, you can see the overreactions are flipping out. People are losing it. How about in fantasy leagues? People are 0-2 or people are 2-0. The overreactions are coming hard and fast here. And I'm going to tell you the stat that I told you guys last week. Maybe they're not total overreactions because since 1990, teams that start 2-0 make the playoffs 63% of the time. In the same time frame, teams that start 0-2, Tim, 9.5% of the time. So maybe the overreactions are not exactly massive overreactions when you start to look at those numbers. Yeah, we're going to dive into each game here today or tonight and, and break them down for you. But some of the things that we avoided, you know, when we were looking at last night's show, we had the potential, Tom, of a KC or a team like Buffalo with it staring at a zero and two record that didn't happen today, but um, you know, there's some, there's some strong teams out to some strong starts. So we're going to break it all down, but you know, from a whole, I know it's only two weeks into the season, but you just said it. Maybe some things aren't an overreaction. Are, are, are there uh is this too late to wor- uh, start to worry about things, Tom? Is this, is there 16 weeks left, right? So is is this an overreaction of, like, say, in the NFC East, you have three-way tie for first. Is it an overreaction right now on these teams? I think it, there's more of an overreaction of um, how you accomplished your feat. Look, the New England Patriots being 0-2 the way they got to 0-2, look, it's still 0-2. The percentages are against you. Uh, But the number that you're sitting there is, okay, we had a game-winning drive on the 20-yard line, and and I think we all knew that the Patriots are going down the field and tying that game up had they gotten that half a yard against a pretty good Dolphins team that may represent the AFC in the, the Super Bowl. Then you go and you go, well, what about the game before that? Same thing, driving late, pass into the end zone against a Philadelphia team that was in the Super Bowl last year. Losing by a score, albeit at home, making you 0-2, I think the Patriots aren't kind of down in the dumps. But if you're a team like the Chicago Bears, let's say, which came into the season and, you know, you were a fringe team, maybe had a chance at making the playoffs, it was going to be a growth year, and you've looked dismal, pathetic, absolutely horrendous out there, yeah, I think it's time to start to get concerned. I think it's time to start worrying. So... It's not just a flat across the board if you're 0-2. It's time to worry. And it's the same thing with 2-0. Let's be honest. The Eagles can't be happy about their 2-0 right now. I mean, they're happy they are 2-0, but not their path to get there. Their defenses look bad. Jalen Hurts has taken a decided step backwards. 
I don't think that they're doing a lot of, uh, you know, cheering and celebrating and saying, hey, everything is all right with the world with our 2-0. Meanwhile, a team like the Atlanta Falcons and the Tampa Bay Bucks that are going, hey, we're 2-0 here. We got a chance at this division. Uh, we're in a good spot. We're, we're, we're taking care of business. Yeah, those teams are in a different spot. So it's not just clear across the board. And that's what we're going to get into. Who should be overreacting and who's overreacting in a negative or positive way that really shouldn't be. And it's a long season, Tom. We know that. You know, literally I've watched the Ravens 7-2 and two at one point. Lamar Jackson goes down. They lose every game the rest of the regular season. And a, a surefire uh, playoff team, if not divi- divisional champion, doesn't even make the playoffs. So we all know it's a long road to hoe. But like you said, uh, Philly's a great example. Because if you're not paying attention, right, Tom, and you're just looking at standings and you're looking at wins, you look at a line, say, and you're like, well, the Eagles are 2-0. and They're doing what they're supposed to do, right, Tom? So there's a, there's a – what is it called? There's Sometimes it's not exactly what you're seeing is, is correct because there's more to it down under. Yeah, absolutely. The, the, the lift open the surface, peel back that onion, whatever term you want to use to get to the reality. And that's what our job is here today, right? And that's your, your job as a sports handicapper, as a sports better, somebody like me. It's seeing what other people don't see, right? Going through this and saying, yeah, look, this is value, even though nobody thinks it is. Well, we're going to break them all down for you. We're going to preview tomorrow night's Monday night football doubleheader and look at some of the week three lines that are already out via tonight we're using these circle lines that are already out so we'll look at those as well tom if you're ready i'm ready we'll, we'll jump on into this i'm ready to go all right start in atlanta where the atlanta falcons now two and zero doing exactly what you said they're going to do tom run the football here as they knock off the green bay packers 25 24 they had to come from behind to do it tommy but uh, what i saw in the fourth quarter i really liked out of atlanta yeah, I like that too, and I, I like the way that they went about this. They are not hiding that this is who we are, this is how we're going to do it. Um, but they also had opportunities. Look, they had a chance to take the lead. It was 24-22 late in this game. They had a chance to kick a field goal. Instead, they went for it on fourth and two. They're going, listen, Arthur Smith is here. I'm going to play it my way. And, and, and that's the only way that they can do it, and they are. Week one, Drake London doesn't even get a look, right? He doesn't care. We got to win. Uh, week two, they turn around. They go, yeah, listen, you know, down by two, chance to win the game with about two minutes to go. We're not taking it. We're going to seal this game and get a little closer, not give them any chance to come back down the field. I-, I love what Atlanta's doing, and they are a dangerous team because of that, because they're kind of playing free and loose, and you know that they are. They don't have the pressures. If, if the Falcons don't make the playoffs this year, this guy is not losing a job, and he knows that. So it's a young team. Get him enthusiastic. You know you have a liability in your in your quarterback. So play to your strengths. And I think that they've done that absolutely fantastically. What surprises me, and I know, look, Jordan Love had a good game today. But what surprises me is how good the defense is. And I knew that they would get better. Look, they got the safety from Cincinnati Bell, uh, or Bates, I'm sorry, in the offseason. And I know they'd be a little bit better. But I'm very surprised at how much better and how dangerous, and I keep using that word with Atlanta, their defensive back seem to be. Week one, it was Algier with the majority of the carries. That switched this week to rookie Bijan Robinson, Tommy. 124 yards on 19 carries. Also caught four out of the backfield. No touchdowns yet, but hey, he, the Atlanta rushing attack. 211 yards on the ground. 
And I said it last week when we talked about Desmond Ritter. Wasn't exactly good, but he didn't hurt him enough to lose. So, that, I mean, that's what it comes down to. He's basically uh, learning on the job, right, Tom? Yeah, exactly what it is. He's, he has to be a game manager of all game managers. I mean, we're going back, people that are young and don't understand it. And I, I'm, when I say young, I mean, if you're not even hitting 30 yet, you don't understand what a real game manager back in the, the, the 80s and 90s is. If Ritter's attempting, uh, you know, 15 passes a game, it might be too much. I mean, that's reality. This is this Atlanta team. Look, I know he he went off a of 32 today, okay? Uh, and I say went off kind of a little curiously, but he went 15 to 18 in the first game. That's that's what they want. They want 15 of 18 from Ritter. That would be a great line across the board. And you could sit back and say he's a liability, which he is at times, but not if he's not making those mistakes. Make the most of your 15 to 20 attempts. And I think that, you know, today they needed him to kind of throw a little bit more, open things up a little bit more. Uh, and he was not efficient at all. I mean, 19 of 32, but he did throw it 32 times, only made one mistake. You could live with that, and they could get wins with that, and they know that approach. Really, this was more of a, <clears throat> if you watch the game, Tom, you know that Atlanta dominated this football game, but yet had to come from behind to win it. Green Bay only put up 220 yards of offense versus Atlanta's 440 and time possession, Atlanta had the ball almost 14 more minutes. So it was just a situation where a turnover here hurt them. And, and uh, Green Bay was able to capitalize on short drives to score. It wasn't like Jordan Love had a great game either. He, Other than he had three touchdown passes, right, Tom? But they're all short. And he really was, other, other than those three touchdowns, it's hard. To, I know it's, it's hard to say. But even that, looking at him throughout the game, he didn't look good at all either. No, no, I... Jordan Love was getting a lot of praise early in that game, and I was flipping back and forth. And uh, Jordan Love, oh, wow, you know what? Look at what he looks like because he was doing a lot of running early. Uh, you know, like two attempts for 23 yards, both uh, came pretty early, and he was scrambling and making things work. His final results, guys, not very, not very good. 151 yards is not going to get this done. Not when you're missing Aaron Jones. But I, I will give Love a little, um, you know, a little fallback option here. He's without Watson. Dobbs was banged up. He's without Aaron Jones. I think that Love will be better. And what I've seen in him, uh, look, the Bears fan in me wants him full flat on his face. And I turned around in the preseason. I told you, look, every other team had an opportunity to trade for this guy when Aaron Rodgers uh, basically said, I'm coming back. And nobody wanted to touch him. I spoke to other GMs. I spoke to other people in the league. Nobody thought that he would be matched to anything. I think he could be a fine quarterback here. I, I don't think he's winning playoff games. I don't think he's ever lifting up a Super Bowl Lombardi trophy, right? But I think he can be fine from what I've watched in the first two games here. Move over to Detroit, where the Seattle Seahawks, another come from behind win here, Tom. They do it. They get the, they get the game in overtime, and then they're able to win at 37-31. Geno Smith, over 302 touchdowns today. Uh Good. This was a good, exciting football game as well as the teams put up 68 total points. Uh, Detroit, like you said, Detroit's problem is going to be, can they stop other teams from scoring? Well, to me, uh, look, you guys know TomBartonSports.com. This is one of my level three plays, one of my upper level plays. Uh, two years ago, they, they played now three years in a row in a weird oddity. Uh, two years ago, they combined for like 90 points. Last year, like 80-something points, right? 90 points last year. Uh, 
This was set at 47. I have no idea why. This is a 68 easy to go. And you're right. Look, that's because of, of the Lions defense. I continue to hear how great the Lions defense was. And everything I see on tape is it's Aiden Hutchinson and everybody else. You can attack this secondary deep, specifically the right side of the secondary. Uh, the linebackers are not as impressive as people think. So if you don't get that pass rush, you're able to somehow neutralize that pass rush, which Seattle, uh, they have some offensive line problems, but they did a pretty good job today. If you're able to neutralize that, you could go deep all day. The Seahawks are a run-first team. Pete Carroll's been a run-first guy his entire career. They were not run-first today, okay? They let Geno Smith open this up and just throw, throw, and throw. He, he had 41 attempts, Tim, right? And it was go deep all day long. Um Kenny Walker, who is a very good running back, even he was just getting targets out of the backfield. Uh, it, it was all of that uh, kind of uh, philosophy of, oh, who are you playing? And this is how people are going to attack Detroit. Um, they're going to go right after you. You're going to go deep. You're going to do it. And you have to know that Detroit's going to score some points, right? I mean, if you're looking at, uh, from a betting perspective, team total Detroit at home in the Dome, Crush it every time. Jared Goff is fantastic in the Dome, and he had another good game today. Jared Goff, 323, three touchdowns, one interception. It wasn't his fault. It was the defense's fault. And that's going to be the undoing of the Lions if there is an undoing. On the flip side, though, Tim, let's not brush over what the Seahawks did. Seahawks had offensive linemen banged up. Seahawks lost DK Metcalf in the middle of this game. He was banged up. Geno Smith looked terrible last week. Um, And we kind of overreacted at, not, not me and you, but the, the world kind of overreacted because, oh, my goodness, they lost to the Rams. Well, the Rams put up a pretty good fight today against San Francisco, so maybe we're overrating or underrating the Rams, not so much overrating Seattle. I think we have to start looking at Seattle the same way that we looked at them two weeks ago, and got, they are back to the basis of, yeah, this is a team that could push for a division. This is a playoff-caliber team. Gino went to, uh, Tommy, Gino went to nine different receivers today including the the duo you talked about last night, DK and Tyler, 14 of the 32 completions to those guys for two touchdowns and over 130 yards receiving. And you said there's so many weapons that he has. Kenny Walker in and out of the backfield running and and catching. Uh, Noah Font, even a big game for the tight end there. So they're, they're a dangerous team as well. I think what we've seen from Seattle in the last two games also, we can say the same thing we just talked about on the Detroit side of it is their defense just hasn't clicked yet. Yeah, their defense hasn't clicked. And it, you need more than Aiden Hutchinson. Mm-hmm. There, were, there were a couple of plays today that he blew up. Uh, he absolutely blew up. And they look good. They looked really good when that was happening. If he doesn't get home, he's got nobody. What they're going to start to do, uh, look, he's a young player, but you can see the talent there. What they're going to start to do is they're going to start to do what uh, people in, in Raider Nation out there remember how Khalil Mack was treated. People out there remember how, if you're a Bears fan, remember how Khalil Mack was treated, even with the Bears. It was all hands on deck. Just don't let that guy beat us. They've tried to do that with the Boses, but look, you know, San Diego has, uh, or Los Angeles has a lot of different uh, things that you can't do that with. And the same thing with San Francisco. You can't double him as much. TJ Watt is getting double teamed uh, and you need somebody secondary to kind of step up. And they've had that. They had Hayward for a while and whatnot. Aiden Hutchinson needs somebody. He needs a running mate there. He needs somebody else that if you're going to double-team me or triple-team me or double-team and then leave a running back in for me or whatever else you're going to do, someone else is going to be one-on-one and be able to beat that one-on-one. And the Detroit Lions do not have someone that could win a one-on-one battle. 
Let's take a look at week three lines here, courtesy of Circa tonight. Uh, we missed the <clears throat> the first game, Tom, so we'll go back to on real quick. Packers, one and one now. We'll be at home, take on the Saints who play tomorrow night. So already an opening line of about two for Green Bay. I thought you skipped it because we haven't seen the Saints play, and I think that it's necessary to see the Saints play. Yeah. Um, Green Bay's defense has one shutdown quarter, Jair Alexander, even though he was beat by Drake London. And the thing is, is that the Saints can go a couple of guys deep. I expect him to be pretty much one-on-one with Olave. Okay, that's a good battle. Who's going to cover Michael Thomas? Is Rashid Sharid for real? Is he for real? That's going to matter. Um, I still think that the Saints offense is yet to click because they don't have that pass catching back. Williams is nice, but he's not that pass catcher coming out of the backfield. So maybe they're a little discombobulated. You can't bet on this game, though, without first watching the Saints game tomorrow, but you can't bet on this game without knowing Watson's status, Jones's status. I lean the Saints right now, but if Watson's healthy and Jones is healthy, I could see Green Bay kind of pulling this one out. How about this one? Carolina will be at <coughs> Seattle. So Seattle back home. Try to uh, make good for that embarrassment they suffered to the Rams in, in uh, the first week, so I'm looking at four and a half, Tommy, and I know Carolina plays tomorrow. They play at New Orleans, as a matter of fact, but I kind of already lean Seattle in this one. I, I like to see what Seattle can do to this young. Uh, or actually, I like to see what Seattle's going to be able to do, knowing that the Carolina offense is young, inexperienced quarterback there. But Carolina's defense, their strong part, right, Tom, Tommy? But it didn't look too good in the second half last week. We'll wait to see what happens tomorrow. But I kind of lean Seattle right now. Yeah, Tim, look uh... – Bryce Young going on the road up into Seattle. That's never easy. He didn't look great against this Falcons defense when he was on the road. Now, tomorrow, he may look a little bit better, even though it's a tough Saints defense. So far, I don't like what I've seen in Bryce Young. I didn't like what I saw in Bryce Young in the preseason. I thought he was going to struggle. It's not so much his fault. Their offensive line is mediocre. Miles Sanders, to me, is not a bell cow guy that you could count on. I don't like the receiving core of Mingo and an aging Thielen, and, and a banged-up C.J. Chark. I don't think that they gave him any weapons. So, yeah, I, I definitely lean Seattle at home. It's a tough place to play. My thing is this, is that I have been on this Carolina defense for a couple of years now. You know I like Jeremy Chin a lot, Lou Vu a lot, Brian Burns, fantastic. I think that that defense can keep them in games. I want to see what it looks like tomorrow against a passing offense because that's the thing. You assume Seattle's going to run, but we just watched them pass all over. Tomorrow night, they're going to get a passing offense. And the Saints are going to throw the ball, okay? Derek Carr is going to launch it. He's got three receivers. Let's see how this defense handles the Saints. If they are able to play that pass funnel and three receiver sets and dare them to run, yeah, I absolutely think they can hang in it. And Atlanta, Detroit, so it'll be the Falcons at the Lions. I see like five... Looks like five mostly, but Circa has four and a half, but I see five mostly, Tom. Detroit. Well, the Lions have now faced two passing offenses. And whether Mahomes had Kelsey or not, it was pass first, pass second, pass third. Maybe we'll run with Pacheco. Um, Seattle today, we just talked about it, right? They went pass first, second, and third. Ran Walker 17 times, but he didn't have a lot of success. Now the Lions have to shift gear and go full on. We have to stop the run. Uh this is a different kind of philosophy. I do think that the Lions have their problems with getting to the passer. 
but I think that they can neutralize a one-dimensional offense. What you're asking is that on the road, in the dome, against what I just told you, I think the Lions put up 30, can the Falcons score more than 30? I just don't see that being the answer. Jared Goff is just somebody that is completely underrated at this point in his career. If you look at Jared Goff in the dome, he's absolutely fantastic, okay? He really is. And I have to look at this and say, can Jared Goff and, and, you know, get to the 30 points? I think he certainly can. Do I believe in any way, shape, or form that the Falcons could get there? I just don't think so. Let's move on over to, uh, let's, let's do this one, Tom. How about Titans, Chargers from Nashville? <laughs> what do we say, Tom? Is it the same old Chargers again? They lose an overtime battle, 27-24, and a Nick Folk field goal to win it. The same, it's the same old risk. You know, these two teams played a close matchup last year in L.A., game I went to, and it, for me it seemed like it was almost a replay of what I watched, except for this time it was Tennessee that pulled it out. How many times do you see a quarterback throw for 300 yards, multiple touchdowns, and lose the game? Yeah. Right? I, I mean, I said it. This is just a team that just finds ways to lose. It sounds like a cop-out tip. We've been on the air now for 13 years. 13 years I sit here and I, I kind of just scream the praises of the Chargers, don't I? Most talented team. Love Derwin James. Love, love everything they're doing. The offense is stacked. It's amazing. And every year I sit back and I tell you, yeah, with all that being said, right? With all that being said, Tim, at the end of the day, nah, it's still the Chargers. And you shouldn't have that in an analysis area where I am. You shouldn't have that in a sports betting area. But sometimes it sneaks in and you just say, look, it's right in front of my face. What am I supposed to do? So you look at that and then you go to one conclusion. Brandon Staley. We talked about it last night. Um, I think Vrabel against Staley is just a mismatch, which is just laughable at this point. And you watch that during this game. Certain points, certain spots. Vrabel had his guys in the right position. Vrabel had his guys right there. He certainly didn't have a talented team. The, 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 the Chargers are massively more talented than the Titans. But the Titans play a style that frustrates a talented team. They hit hard. They're right in the right spots. They don't break themselves. And that is exactly what I expected from this game. I'm not shocked at the outcome. I told you I, I kind of lean the over here. I lean the over because I thought both teams would be able to have some success offensively, and they did. How much How much did it affect the Chargers that Eckler wasn't there? Um, you know, I, I don't think that they were going to run the ball anyway. You know, we talk mm-hmm. about a pass-funnel offense, and it was pass-funnel. They didn't target Kelly at all. To me, I, 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 don't, I didn't mind what they did offensively. It was their defense, which for two weeks now is a laughingstock. I mean, their defense is flat-out a laughingstock. And it's not even the numbers that it is. It's the opportunities. I mean, there were times where, multiple times in this game, where Ryan Tannehill just saw a seam and he was, you could see the smile coming on his face, right? You see a smile on on Ryan Tannehill's face and then he, you know, scoots uh, into the end zone on one play. It was a big third down in another play, turned around and, and got that. It was one of those spots, Tim, where you just, you have to pay attention and say, your your defense is just allowing running lanes to the right side. And it was always to the left side of the defense and not right side of the offense. It was to the same spot. 
If I saw it sitting at home, right? And I say this all the time. Listen, I am not a professional coach. If I'm sitting at home on my couch and I see that over and over, how are the guys up in the booth not seeing that? Right? right. And they certainly are. You know Vrabel's guys are going, yo, just, just run that again. <laughs> right? Just run that again. And that's where they were able to come back. The thing about Tennessee, Tommy, and you know, you and I agreed on this, is that Tannehill, never, you're not going to win you the MVP, but if he's healthy, he's solid. Look at, look at again today, 20-24, 246, touchdown, no interceptions. Last week, even though they lost that game, he, he didn't lose that game for him. He was, he was very solid. He's, he's, we just talked about game managers, right? He's a wonderful game manager. Henry's healthy, so it appears, and, you know, Ryan has a very young receiving core with the exception of DeAndre Hopkins. So he's such a great leader for, for Mike Rabel that you saw what happened last year when he went out. <laughs> Quarterback carousel to, of a backups, and they just went in the tank. So they're a dangerous team if they're all those parts and components are healthy. I know it's a big if, Tom, but if they are healthy, Tennessee's dangerous, man. Yeah, look, they're dangerous because they have that smash-mouth team. They are that team that you look at and you go, it, 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 yeah, if, if Burks becomes what we thought he was going to be, if Hopkins can stay on the field, and then you have Henry behind him, and oh, by the way, he gets a rest with Spears this year? Yeah, you know, but my concern with them um, really is their offensive line. I know they tried to improve it. Last year, it was a bottom 10 offensive line. I'm not sure if it's much better this year. You could get away and you could mask a lot of things with coaching, but eventually that's going to come back and bite them. Tom, in the last 20 years, the San Diego L.A. Chargers have had five head coaches, Marty Schottenheimer and North Turner. Those were the big winners. Then they went with Mike McCoy, who was 10 games under 500, Anthony Lynn, who was two games over 500, and now Brandon Staley, who I want to say with today's loss is now three games over 500. But Spanos, Spanos family has money, man. Obviously they have money. They've gone the route of taking the next biggest coordinator they thought was going to be the next big thing the last three times. It hasn't worked for them, Tom. When do you just – got to change it up at some point. You can't be – you know, it's funny. It's like you said, in the last 13 years, we've always talked about how the Chargers will just mess it up. At some point, it, it's just not a cursed franchise, right? They, they have to change something here. Yeah, but they won't because they the, the ownership won't, Tim. This is one of the worst ownership groups in, in the league. They will not pay out Brandon Staley because they're just going to go down with the ship with him. They don't care. Uh, they, they, uh, and it's not, this is not me being a disgruntled Charger fan, guys. I could care less. I'm telling you straight out facts. This is an ownership group that will not fire him because they just don't want to pay two coaches. I mean, that's it. They won't go after a big name. That's it. This is the way it is. I heard people kind of saying, yeah, you know what? Uh, uh, maybe Coach Sanders will go to the Chargers. You think they're paying Sanders? Come on. If they get rid of Brandon Staley, what they're going to do is they're not dipping into a big name. If they go get Sanders, uh, I mean, if they go get uh, 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 Staley, if they fire Staley, they're not going to get Sanders. They're going to go get an offensive coordinator that is coming up. They're going to try to get somebody under the radar. They're not doling out for a huge name. Are you kidding me? And again, Justin Herbert's doing this. What is this, his third OC he's had since he's been there? Justin Herbert's career is looking mighty, 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 mighty much like Dan Marino, isn't it? Yeah. Massive numbers, untapped talent, 
pretty good receivers around him. Things just kind of happen wrong for him. You, uh, you, you might have read recently, Dan Marino, they asked him who's the greatest quarterback of all time. And he said, Dan Marino, not, not Brady, not himself. No way, Dan Marino. Um, yeah, Marino might have been, but he didn't ever have the management that would go out there and get him anybody else, anybody else. I mean, people can't even really name running backs that played with him. I mean, we know the marks, but um, you look at what Justin Herbert has around him and you go, it's pretty good offensive weapons. He's got some defensive guys, but he doesn't have a coach. And they're, they, the management is saying, yeah, well, deal with it. We're not, we're not doing it. I, I don't even think that they would fire Brandon Staley during the season because they don't even want to have that on their books. They would wait until the end of the season. And I, I just don't even think that they're going to fire him. Where, what is his uh, – I want to see what his contract looks like. You know, how many years. He's got – okay, so he signed – got a four-year contract in 2021. So I guess in 21, 22, 23, 24. Yeah, so one more year. Getting $4 million a year. Uh, hmm. Yeah, they're not going to pay $4 million next year for him to not be part of that organization. Because I was thinking maybe after the year they'll, they'll fire him, you know? All right. They're not paying $4 million a year next year for him to say, hey, he's going to be the coach next year. He, so he's the coach next year. Here's the thing. The Chargers are now 0-2. and two. Yeah, maybe but you don't hire on. a 27-year-old, Tim. Yeah, maybe. I, you know what? When they hired Anthony Lynn, I didn't think that was the right choice, and I was right. When they hired Mike McCoy, I didn't think that was the right choice, and I was right. But I, I want to say it's in the upper management is that Spanos didn't like the way that Schottenheimer and North Turner had that control, right, Tom? This is what it comes down to sometimes is the ego in the front office. So maybe that's what it is. Yeah, I get that. And, and you're right. And and they can control a 27-year-old. Yeah. Right? I mean, you, you yeah. can't. Look, I'm being an ageist right now. Because I, I guess I have to be turning your organization, your franchise quarterback, uh, in a franchise that has Dan Fouts, he might be the most talented still, a championship level team in a brand new stadium with a brand new fan base, turning your organization over to a 27 year old that makes egregious. Brandon Stanley's made egregious mistakes. It, it's just it's just a terrible, terrible. Or operational standpoint. From an ownership standpoint, what are you doing? You know, and you look around the league and you go, okay, who could come in there uh, as a coordinator, kind of clean this thing up, right? Who could come in there because they're not spending on a young guy, on a young uh, uh, up and coming college coach because they're going to have to buy him out. They're not going to spend on a retread because they're going to have to buy him out. It's going to be another coordinator, guys. That's what it's going to be. It's going to be another failed co- coordinator that they're going to go try to grab and hope to make the best of it. Unless, because I know Chargers fans are going to start writing me over at Tom Barton Sports, unless you want to hand the reins to Kellen Moore. And in that case, okay. I understand it. He's already on the payroll. You bump him up in salary. I could get along with that, Tim. But to me, that's a smart move, and I haven't seen the Chargers ownership make a smart move. My belief was that, since you brought it up, we will expand on it. My original belief was when they brought him in that he would be the next coach there. That that I truly felt that. And I think I don't see him I don't see why he would leave Dallas knowing that Mike McCarthy's probably um 
you know, one short argument away from getting fired by Jerry Jones. I don't see why he would leave Dallas unless he felt he had a better opportunity somewhere. And I, I think at 35, Kellen Moore's just 35, Tom. He relates to Justin Herbert a lot better than uh, most older coordinators do. So my thought process was that, hey, we go on a little skid here at some point in the season. We make the quick switch. And I still don't think that's not impossible. But, you know, like you said, money is a lot and $4 is a lot to eat. So. Uh, Kellen Moore signed for one point five year deal, one point four million dollars. There's no way Kellen Moore signed a five year deal without thinking he's going to be that coach. Yeah, correct. Right. I mean, this guy is a young guy ready to sort of take the reins. There's no <laughs> way he's signing. He's 35 years old. He's not signing a five year deal unless he believes. You know what? The dude in front of me is gone, and I'll I'll be the man. Look, it's it's not Kellen Moore's fault they're owing to, just like it's not Justin Herbert's fault. We know whose fault it is. So here's the thing, Tom. Kellen Moore Kellen Moore is absolutely the Chargers coach. Now you think about in in uh, you know, twenty twenty five. Yes. The question is, does he get there before that? Yes. Yes on both. Opening day twenty twenty five, Kellen Moore's the coach. Does he get there in twenty twenty four, Tim? I think you're going to say yes, right? Oh, yeah, I, I, I say definitely. I, you don't sign a five-year deal and have a contract longer than the head coach if there's not a reason, right? Does he Does he get there in 2023, Tim? Well, here's the thing. They're zero and two, but they're only a game out of out of the lead right now. I know. We're, so, are we overreacting right now, Tom? That they're, they're only they're zero and two, but they're a game out. Here's the thing. Next week, they hit the road. They got to go to Minnesota. I'm looking at a line of anywhere between one and two. They're a favorite. I don't know where, where do you pull the if they go if they're two and five. Do you make the make the switch? I would. If they're zero and four going into the bye week, I pull the plug. Yes, hundred percent. You got Minnesota think, at Minnesota, Las Vegas. Both of them are tough games. Um, they're zero and four going into that bye week. You pull the plug. Give Kellen more two weeks to prepare. Uh, but you look at the schedule, right? Minnesota, look, winnable game, but also losable game, right? Vegas, winnable game, losable game. You get the bye week. Dallas KC coming back. Boom, boom, they're not winning those games. They're not winning those games. So at best, you're going to be 2-4. and four. Then you get the soft part. You get Chicago, New York, then Detroit, Green Bay. But you finish off. Listen to what they finish off with. At Las Vegas, Buffalo, at Denver, at KC. Uh, I'm going to tell you now. Chargers fans, we're on an overreaction Sunday, and I caution against overreacting. Chargers are not making the playoffs. Wow. Okay. I'm saying it now. Chargers are not a playoff team. How about the Titans, Tom? I know it's hard to, again, look at teams that haven't played that, that extra game yet, but Tennessee will, will travel to Cleveland. They're going to be, looks like, a four-and-a-half-point underdog. I, I like the styles. It's going to be run, run, run all day long right, for both of these teams. Um, I have to see if this Cleveland passing game is for real. If they can pass tomorrow night against Pittsburgh, uh, I think I think Tennessee's going to be in trouble. Look, Tennessee plays a pass-funnel defense. We, I mentioned that a couple times. That, and what that means, anybody that doesn't understand, is they basically say there's no way you're running on us, but pass all you want, right? And they dare you to pass on them, and a lot of teams have success passing on them for that. Uh, Cleveland... Nick Chubb could run on anybody, but they're going to know that. So they're going to have to throw the ball. 
Cleveland has had minimal success throwing the ball over the last year or so since Deshaun Watson's taken over. He hasn't been exemplary. Uh, Amari Cooper banged up. Moore banged up. Njoku, inconsistent. Chubb's not a guy that catches the ball out of the backfield. It's a favorable matchup for Tennessee for the Cleveland team that we knew from last year and, and early on this year. But is that turning? Is Cleveland turning more into a pass team? Right now, this is a favorable matchup for how Tennessee wants to attack this X's and O's style. Let's get one more in before the timeout. Indianapolis now 1-1 one one on the season, a 31-20 win at Houston. Tommy, Anthony Richardson ends up leaving this game with concussion. Uh, C.J. Stroud, the, the rookie counterpart, 384 yards passing. But Look, it's two of the worst teams in the league. What do you take away from something out of it like this game? I keep hearing it's explosive. Richardson looks great. He can't throw the ball, Tim. And you know what? It reminds me a lot of, of what I was saying about Justin Fields last year. I enjoyed it. I love the running, but I, I just didn't see the touch on him able to throw the ball. Well, Richardson is kind of in that same camp. They're feeding the ball to Pittman exclusively. They don't really have a running back. Look, don't tell me that Zach Moss is good. But a lot of this was the other side, the Texans, just flat out being one-dimensional. They can't run the ball with Pierce at all. And I like Damian Pierce, but they can't run it. So C.J. Stroud looked great because he had 380-something yards. He spread the ball around to four receivers. Yeah, those are great numbers, but you're a one-dimensional team. I I think that Indy might be better than I gave them credit for, where I I thought that they very well could go into the tank and be the worst team in the league. Uh, But they're still... Still a lot to be learned here. I am not getting crazy about Richardson, and I'm not getting crazy about C.J. Stroud having a good day. It's against bad teams. You can't walk. We we called it the toilet bowl game. Then mm. don't take results out of the toilet bowl. <clears throat> now, Richardson could be out next week, Tom, with, with the, the head protocol. So that means Minshew would be the guy. It's a completely different situation. I like it. Quarterback. Yeah. I like Minshew, actually. I, I You know, me. if I'm playing against Minshew, Tim, you should answer this, right? Yeah. Because you're going to – if you're playing against Minshew, aren't you a little bit more scared? You, yeah, you have to look at your opponent a little bit differently, yes. Absolutely. And you have to prepare for two different styles this week. Right. What about what about Houston? 0-16? Here we, here we go, Tom. The talk's beginning. 0-16. Oh, 17, maybe, whatever it is. Now. Maybe. I do like pieces <laughs> of their defense – uh, you know, I know they, look, they gave up 31 to, I like pieces of their defense. CJ Stroud has talent. Uh, I like Nico Collins. I've liked Nico Collins for a while, but go through their schedule and it is very difficult to find a win at Jacksonville, Pittsburgh, at Atlanta, New Orleans. All of those seem like losses at Carolina. Yeah, you could win there, but it's a road game. I think Tampa November 5th makes sense. Arizona at home November 19th makes sense. Uh, and that's kind of it. You know what I mean? That really is kind of it. You might have two opportunities. I think Tampa's a lot better than we give them credit for. And Arizona might be better than we give them credit for. I don't think any team is bad enough to go 0-17. But to me, it seems like the Houston Texans are on the clock. Yeah, Arizona-Houston, that might be the, the game for the number one pick. Uh, Arizona has shown a lot of fight, but I just think the season's going to kind of get to them. Heatwave Sports, Fox Sports Radio is here on Super Sunday night, recapping week two of the National Football League. Hang in there, stay tuned. More on the way 
here on Fox Sports Radio Las Vegas, 98.9 FM, 1340 AM. Super Sunday night edition of Heat Wave Sports. Appreciate you joining in tonight, as always, every Saturday and Sunday, 10 o'clock. Here on Fox Sports Radio, if you want to join in on the show tonight, we're over there on that X Twitter, at Tom Barton Sports, at HW Sports. 876-1340 is the Heat Wave hotline. <coughs> Tom, um, this this uh, brag a little bit before we jump back into the the games. Through two weeks of the Heat Wave Sports free play competition, Tom Barton Sports sits at a nice, robust 2-0. and zero. Yeah, Best you could be, 2-0 and oh, at TomBartonSports.com. And, and what's funny, Tim, is I got there in a way that I usually hate to get there, and that is with favorites. Two weeks, two favorites, and not only favorites, but two publicly bet teams. You know, I put this out on Twitter earlier today. Um, and I said, don't worry when you start reading reports. Oh, you know, 98% of the money's coming in on this team or this team. There's a reason why Sunday mornings we are inundated with reporters writing percentages that, that people are money on. Do you think that they would tell us if they didn't want us to know the sports books, right? You don't right. think that they could keep that secret? So number one, week one, I was on the Jags. It was one of the high, most heavily bet teams. I had Michael Lombardi on my show for the Believe podcast uh, th- this week. Um, you guys go check that out, Wagering Week. Uh, by the way, really interesting stuff telling me that Tyreek Hill is the best wide receiver in football. But Michael Lombardi tweeted out earlier today, and I respect everything Michael Lombardi says, um, that the number one liability today was going to be Buffalo. Massive, massive public money on Buffalo. I gave you Buffalo last night. I don't care. If I like a team, I like a team. I don't really care about the public money. So, yeah, 2-0 and is nice. I hope that everybody made money with my 2-0 picks. Um, but it, I got there pretty weird, right? I, I went straight plays and both favorites. I said I'm going with a favorite last night. And you said, whoa, <laughs> right right yeah. on the air. So, uh, hey, but sometimes, listen, sometimes it's the right move. So 2-0 is 2-0. Tim, you're 1-1. You redeemed yourself back to 500. I did. The Timmy teaser was a winner with the Ravens and the Bills. As a matter of fact, Tom, we, we shared a team there. Uh, never in doubt, right, my friend? Never in doubt. No, uh, Raiders came down the field, scored seven points, and it was kind of one of those, I'm not worried. Yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> not not, con- <clears throat> not concerned. What's funny is that this game should have been a lot more. The, the, the Bills were so confident that they could do whatever they wanted against this Raiders defense. They went for it on, like, fourth and two. It, 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 you know, fourth and goal on the two-yard line. Didn't get it. And said, "Yeah, we don't care." <laughs> you know, it, it it really didn't matter to the outcome of the game because they they felt like you know, we could score anytime we want, and they they sort of did score anytime they wanted. Yeah, it was. You said it. They they got the ball, went down, put up a touchdown, and then was outscored thirty eight to three the rest of the way out, and pretty much everything you said uh, came to fruition. It was a team that. They had to make a statement, right, Tom? And they definitely made that statement that what you saw in week one, or at least in the second half of week one, was not the Bills. And this was the Bills we saw the last two years with Josh Allen at the quarterback. They were phenomenal today. Yeah, they really were. And, and, you know, you have to look at a team like that. If you believe, and I did, if I believed before the year that they were a Super Bowl team, and that's what I believed, 
This team was a Super Bowl team uh, that could win the Super Bowl. Uh, you can't shy away from them at home, uh, you know, after a just a terrible game, right? You, you just can't do that. Um, by the way, we have some listeners that are sending in their best bets. Uh, we had, you know, Chris Wynn put out his best bet. We had, you know, my wife Abby is, is doing her best bets. And it is kind of funny, you know, when you start to see, all, you know, a lot of people we had, I won't name names, but we had somebody under 38 and a half in the Denver game. That went sour. Uh, we had one of our buddies uh, took New England. That went sour. I told Abby, I said, Abby, your best bet of the week just went down. That's it. You're done. And uh, I, 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 I thought that I was kind of uh, letting her down easy. Seconds later, I go, oh, my God, you covered. She had the Rams, Tim. <laughs> and I don't oh, know yeah, if anybody yeah. saw saw the Rams game, right? But she had the Rams um, plus the eight and a half. And, wow, you look at that and what happened there. And for those that don't know, with four seconds left on the clock, with no time left once you kick the ball, they kicked the ball in a meaningless touchdown, a meaningless field goal to cover and the Rams covered the seven. So if we start to include other people, I have about five or six listeners. They're all about one and one, a couple of 0 and twos out there. I know uh, our buddy Chris is, is struggling a little bit. Um, Abby's one and one on the year. You're one and one on the year. It, it's not hard. Look, after two weeks, it, it's, it's not hard to see why people have a hard time making money uh, betting on sports. But you go to TomBortonSports.com. Guys, look, I'm patting myself on the back a little bit. Two and zero is still two and zero. Why, why kick a field goal in that in that case, Tom? Why, what was the reasoning for that? You know the conspiracy theory that everybody's going. You know he knew the number and all that. Look, look. he's hoping that you kick the field goal. Okay, it gets through the uprights with one second to go. Yeah, and with one second to go, you're forced to to onside kick. I mean, you're forced to to kick off. Anything can happen. They could drop it. They could squib kick it. That's what you're hoping for. A weird miracle, a crazy thing. Uh, generally speaking, I would say I have no idea why. Now, I did hear, uh, I did watch, I, I read um, uh, and, and saw him do the interview. Another coach, a former coach in the NFL, said it doesn't feel as bad not to lose by double digits. You know, you get into the locker room, you go, guys, we were within one score. You could talk about that. The next time you face them, you could talk about, hey, we were within one score. Um, I also heard somebody say, you know, we all heard all week that Shanahan and McVay, who are friends or friendly, Shanahan has won nine straight. He covered nine straight coming into this one. So you put that to rest, too, you know, that we can't compete with this team. Hey, guys, we were within one score. So there are reasons, whether you agree with them or don't agree with them or you think they're BS and whatnot. There are reasons for it, just silly reasons, in my opinion. Real quick with Vegas, you said last night Josh Jacobs was not going to be effective running the ball. He absolutely was not, Tom. Nine carries, negative two yards, and if you take away Trey Tucker's breakaway 34-yard run, the Raider offense today, and I get it, in the second half, you're already down, uh, what, they were down 18 at one point, so they weren't running the ball, but effectively just 30 was it 22 yards on the ground today? 21 yards on the ground. Josh Jacobs, negative yards rushing today. He now, in two games, has 46 yards on 28 carries in two games. And it's not Jacobs' fault. He's running effectively, especially when you're getting the ball in his hands 
which the Raiders offensively, you know, give them a little credit for it. They're realizing, you know what, we can't run. So let's get the ball in our playmaker's hands. Uh, their offensive line lo- looks terrible. And Jacobs, man, he, he's going to start getting real frustrated here. Negative yards in this one. 46 yards, 28 carries in two games. You're not winning games like that. You're not. You're, you're not. This is going to get frustrated. You're going to watch Jacobs start to really get annoyed. One more time, we'll do a look ahead with a team that hasn't played. So the Raiders will come home next week for their home opener at Allegiant. Pittsburgh comes to town, Tommy, and the only line I see is Pittsburgh, one and a half road favorite at Vegas. Well, here you go. If they can't run the ball, they're not beating Pittsburgh. Devontae Adams is in concussion protocol. If he's out, they're not beating Pittsburgh. Um, There's a lot of factors that have to go right for the Raiders to beat Pittsburgh. I think they can. I think the Raiders can. Devontae Adams has to be healthy. Kobe Myers has to be in the lineup. Josh Jacobs has to have more running lanes. If those, any of those things do not happen, I think Pittsburgh's the better team. And they are on a short week, and then they have to travel across country. So a lot of things are going in the Raiders' favor, okay? Raiders playing at home. Uh, you know, it, it's, it's a lot of things in the Raiders' favor. But if you're missing a big gun like Devontae Adams or even Jacoby Myers because they couldn't find a secondary option today, um, or you're in a position where Josh Jacobs is just ineffective, they're not going to win the game. I lean the Raiders right now because I think Pittsburgh wins tomorrow night uh, or plays well, a tough, hard-fought North game, you know, ever comes down to the wire. Monday night football, then you have to travel across back to the West Coast, play on the road. Uh, Yeah, I I like that. But if any of those guys are out, there's no way you could go with the Raiders. Buffalo, Tommy, at Washington. Touchdown favorite on the road. Yeah, this could. This is a little trappy right here, right? I mean, yeah. I don't think that Vegas lays traps unless you fall into them. And this is a little trappy type of game. Buffalo should absolutely manhandle Washington. But I've liked what I've seen in Sam Howell. I've liked what I've watched in Robinson. Um, I, I think this defense is getting a little bit better. I know they didn't show it necessarily in the first half today, but in the second half, uh, Chase Young is going to be in there. I think it's a dangerous game for Buffalo. But once again, I think you have to go with the idea of if you believe that Buffalo is a Super Bowl contender, that I do, this is a game you have to win. Washington has looked good in spurts, but they haven't looked good and they haven't put a full game together yet. Uh, you know, offensively, defensively, they haven't put that, put that game together. I worry about this game if I'm a Buffalo fan. If I'm a Buffalo backer, I'm concerned about the game. But you have to think that they're going to win. And Washington, as much as I love Ron Rivera, defensive-minded coach, right, Tom? There's a big difference between Arizona, Denver, and now you're taking on the Buffalo Bill offense. It's a completely different situation to be put in. Yeah, my concern is that Biennemi has shown that he can make anybody a player. We're talking about Robinson out there. We're talking about, you know, uh, a guy like Sam Howell and McLaren is coming back from turf toe. He's looking better by each week. I like this kid, Dotson. They have weapons. It might not be household names, but they have weapons. You got Biennemi running the show there. Um, I, I think Washington's a dangerous team for this Buffalo team, but I still believe that Buffalo is the better team. Let's head on over to Tampa Bay, Florida, where the Tampa Bay Bucks, Tom, sit at 2-0 and after a 27-17 win over your Chicago Bears. Baker Mayfield, the game manager, the new Baker Mayfield, the game manager, 317 yards and a touchdown. 
White was a little more effective in running the ball this week. He went from 36 yards to 73. Godwin and Evans did their thing, Tommy, as well. And the Bucks 2-0 and in first place. Bucks 2-0, Bucks in first place. Me and you both thought that the Bucks were a dangerous team coming in. Um, uh, you know, it's funny that the team that Abby highlighted before the season to, to make all kinds of waves was the Bucks, And I, I said the same thing. Though. I said, wow, me, me, you, and Tim all kind of like this. Why doesn't the public? Well, I don't know why not. <laughs> we're all kind of seeing it. Uh, but this was more of a matter of the Bucks just waiting for Justin Fields to make a mistake. The Bears are broken. The Bears look awful. There's just no way around it. The, the Bears are... Uh, they may be the worst team in the league. We talked about number one overall pick. They ran Justin Fields four times today. Four times. That's it. For the guy that ran for 1,000 yards last year, they ran him four times today. Last week, I told you it was stupid when Luke Getze uh, told them we're going to a downfield passing attack, and that's how we're going to win games. What is he, nuts? And he does it again in week two, four times. The last time he ran for four game, uh, four times in a game, he got hurt in week 11 in 2021. He got injured and in that game, he only rushed it for four times. This was a complete and utter disaster. You want to talk about who needs to go. Everyone's looking at Justin Fields, and he might not be the answer for the Chicago Bears. But I can tell you what, this entire coaching staff needs to go. If Luke Getze still has a job this time next week, the Bears are already doing something wrong. It is a terrible situation by Chicago. They're missing offensive linemen. Their game plan is just absolutely ridiculous. Their defense is all banged up. They lost Eddie Jackson and Brisker for a point today. Uh, there was no way that Tampa Bay wasn't winning this game when all of those things continued to happen. And they barely did win the game. So I don't want to get crazy about the Bucks. I like what they're doing. But this was a matter of the Bears losing it, not the Bucks winning it. Let's take our top of the hour timeout. We'll clean up the rest of the uh, Chicago-Tampa game, including the look-aheads to Week 3 and more NFL football to go through in hour number two. Heat Wave Sports here on Fox Sports Radio, 98.9 FM, 1340 AM. Are you ready? Now back to Heatway Sports. Hour two of the Super Sunday Night Show. Tim Unglesby, Tom Barton with you until the midnight hour. We were talking NFL Week 2 matchup, Tampa-Chicago. Tampa now 2-0, and Chicago 0-2. and So where we go next week, Tommy? Monday night, another doubleheader. Philadelphia will be in Tampa to take on the Bucks, and the Eagles are a seven-point favorite on the road. <laughs> you know, my first lean is that I just I don't like what I've seen in Philly, and I like what I've watched in Tampa. My first lean is given seven points on a Monday night game on the road. My first lean is that this line's going to go up. Everybody's going to love this team. I like the, the linebacker combination that Tampa brings to the table. I, I like what they can do with Mike Evans and and Godwin. This is going to depend on an injury report for me. Look, if Bradbury and the Philadelphia defensive backs are still banged up, I think Mayfield can throw it enough to keep this game close. Everyone's going to be on Philly, and I get that. Uh, I'm looking at this game, and I'm going, I think Tampa Bay could be sneaky here. In a possible matchup of the AFC championship game, Kansas City was at Jacksonville this morning, and the Kansas City Chiefs get their first win, Tom. 17-9 over Jacksonville. Went way under the total. What did you take away from this game? I can't take away much because 
apparently on the field, it was like 115 degrees. And the players were talking about swimming in soup out there. And, and anybody that's ever been to Walt Disney World, not land, Walt Disney World in Orlando, <laughs> you know, when it's like 100 degrees, knows that kind of malaise just from walking around. And imagine playing, you know, football out there. I'm not taking much about this other than saying this. Kansas City's offense is still not clicking. The Jacksonville defense is their sore spot. Kansas City could not capitalize all day. Kansas City is still, I know, finding their groove, and you can say all of that, sure. I was impressed with what Jacksonville's defense was able to do. Offensively, I'm not as down on this Jacksonville team as as people are making it out. First of all, Kansas City's defense held Jared Goff and, and the Lions relatively in check, even in a loss. So Casey's defense, I think, is better than we gave him credit for. There was multiple, multiple, multiple throws by Trevor Lawrence that were in the back of the end zone, caught in the back of the end zone, and one foot down. Or a heel touched the line. When I talk about multiple, I can think off the top of my head of five of those throws. Three plays resulted in field goals. But they were thrown into the end zone to receivers that... I don't want to say should have gotten their feet down, but we're inches away from getting their feet down. If I'm Jacksonville and I'm Doug Peterson and I'm Trevor Lawrence, who didn't play great, what I'm doing is this week I'm pumping them up. And I'm saying, you guys played within one score of Kansas City. I don't care that we didn't get it. You played within one score. And let's be honest, you played basically within like blades of grass of tying the Super Bowl champs. I think that this is a good growing moment for Jacksonville, but I'm still waiting for the Jacksonville Jaguars to explode. I'm waiting for this offense to look the unstoppable, which it has not looked yet. As for Kansas City, somehow they're leaning on their defense. But if you're going to lean on your defense, eventually you know Mahomes and company have to find that guy. They have never found that guy outside of Travis Kelsey. Uh, Pachanko's running the ball well. They still don't go to him. They spread the ball around. Sky Moore was open a couple of times. They didn't decide to go to him. I think Kansas City is facing one of these spots where, okay, are we becoming a defensive team? Are we becoming a team that we could rely on on a defense a little bit more? And we should be running the ball a little bit more rather than air it out. So they're almost in an identity crisis, even though they won the game today. Week three, Houston at Jacksonville, Tom, nine and a half. You want this to be the breakout game. But I will say this, last year in two games against the Texans, different coaching staff, I understand, but last year in two games against the Texans, uh, Trevor Lawrence was held to under 430 yards in two big games combined, zero touchdowns, three interceptions. He struggles against Houston. Now, it is a new defense. That is a new defensive coordinator, new defensive philosophy, all of that. Your initial reaction is, sure, Jacksonville should crush them, but I'm waiting for them to crush someone. I'm waiting for them to absolutely roll. Even in the game that I took in week one, I took Jacksonville as my best bet. Uh, Even in that week, I looked at Jacksonville and I said, you didn't crush this team like you should have. They don't have that killer instinct, and I need to have that if I'm going to lay near double digits, and that's what this is. I think Jacksonville wins the game, and I wouldn't be surprised if this is finally their breakout game, but it does concern me that he struggled so much against Houston last year. And for Kansas City, they'll be at home against your Chicago Bears, Tom. Minus 13. I I never like to lay 13, Tim, but if there's a team to do it against, this is the spot. (laughs) If Luke Getze is is calling the offensive play calls next week, 
lay the 13 and don't even think about it. Lay, <laughs> I mean, that's what it is. The Bears are pathetic at this point. They really are. If you're going to run Justin Fields four times against this defense, what it's turning into, Justin Fields is going to get sacked. 10 times he's they're going to run it four times you're looking at you're looking at 41 10 and we also have to see the status of eddie jackson and, and uh joaquin brisker now tommy you did pick the bears to sneak into the playoffs uh, yeah well we all make mistakes too. <laughs> there's some fandom in there somewhere i think right there's a little fan well you know what i i do i i think this and i was talking about rob mish about this i i think that you know, you go in with a, an idea of what this team should be. Um, you lose two offensive linemen like they did, and this is not an excuse, but you lose two offensive linemen like they did, things could spiral out of control. And they have. But I never expected the play calling to be as egregiously bad as it is. If you have a 1,000-yard rusher as a quarterback the year before, and he's making exceptionally good plays. And he gives a jolt to the offense. And offensive coordinators are telling you they cannot control him. And he's he's putting up 30-plus points. Why in God's name would you turn around and say, okay, you're now a pocket passer? It just doesn't make sense. I, I, I know they want to conserve him. I know they want to see if he's the future. So you want to air it out. I know they got DJ Moore. I get all that. But if it's not working, Tim, play to the man's strengths. It's almost like the Lamar Jackson early in his career syndrome, right? Everybody wanted him to be a thrower, and Harbaugh eventually, remember, there was a lot of contention there. I know that you know that. They even thought about firing Harbaugh over this. Eventually, Harbaugh said, fine, we're going to let you be you. And he turned around, and he became a pretty good football player because he was being himself. They are telling Justin Fields, be something that you're not. Turning around and taking the biggest offensive asset on your team and completely changing his philosophy is pure stupidity. There's no other word. I'm not sugarcoating this. Stupidity by Luke Getze uh, and Eberflus to let it happen. What are they doing on this coaching staff? Losing, Tom. Right now they're losing. So Yeah, exactly. And they should be losing their jobs. The final morning game saw the Baltimore Ravens now improved to 2-0 and with a division win over Cincinnati, 27-24. And, look, the return of Travis Kelsey got KC a win. The return of Mark Andrews got Baltimore another win. Tom Lamar looked a lot better this week. Gus Edwards, Justice Hill in for Dobbins. They combined for 100 yards on the ground. Looked like all was good in Baltimore. On the other side, it's the Joe Burrow situation. He don't look good still, Tom. Right, we said it last night. Right? I mean, how are we sure that he's okay? I watched I watched the interview in preseason of Jamar Chase telling Joe Burrow, don't come back till week five, man. Mm-hmm. Right? We watched that. We watched him tell him that. Joe Burrow forcing it back. Joe Burrow had less than 100 yards going into, like, the fourth quarter here, Tim. He finished with 222. Jamar Chase nowhere to be found today. You know, anybody out there in your fantasy leagues – Imagine taking Jamar Chase number one overall. A lot of people took him very, very high. We'll say that. Jamar Chase today, uh, let's see, most talented receiver in the league, 31 yards. 31 yards, Tim, right? I mean, you you look at what Burrow is, and he's he's just not right. And this is not to take anything away from Baltimore, because they look good. Look, Baltimore looked good. The Baltimore offensive... It looked efficient. It looked like a, a, another offense once again that is seemingly finding its footing. 
before the year began, I sat here and we did the preview show. Okay? And in the preview show, we had somebody sit back and tell me that the Bengals are winning the Super Bowl. When I went after that, I had tweets and texts that I was crazy the Bengals were winning the division in the Super Bowl. And I came out here and I said, bold prediction time, they're not making the playoffs. Tim, I feel pretty good about that. Because they're 0-2. They have the Rams next. Okay? Tennessee and Arizona on the road. That should fix it, right? You think that should fix it? Not if Joe Burrow is not healthy, guys. If that knee, and I called it a gimpy knee, if that knee is not 100%, they could lose all of those games. And I'm including Tennessee. I'm including Arizona. I'm including Seattle. This could be a completely spiraled kind of season for this Cincinnati team if Burrow is not healthy. Nelson Aguilar, Tom. Five catches, 63 yards, a touchdown. When they signed him in the offseason out of Kansas City, my thought process was, well, look, everybody's talking about Odell Beckham, but I wasn't expecting Odell to be Odell Prime, right? He's just a good veteran hand there, not expecting him to be the number one. Zay Flowers, you really didn't know what you were expecting out of the rookie. So far through two games, he's pretty good. Mark Andrews is always going to be the number one for me there. Rashad Bateman, injured last two years again. So adding these veteran guys for me, Nelson Aguilar is not a number one receiver in this league, but as a number three, Tom, he's very dangerous. And we saw that with uh, the different weapons they have when they're all healthy, that a guy like Aguilar can sneak out there. And what he did in Kansas City, right, what he did in Green Bay, he can be the same of use in Baltimore. And I think it gives Lamar another option that he can count on. Yeah, Aguilar looks good, right? I mean, he he is, like you said, he's one of those guys that we always knew was talented, just could never put it together. He just could never flat out put it together. The question I'm going to go to you with here, Tim, is that everybody was saying, okay, Dobbins goes down, um, bring in a veteran, right? Go get Kareem Hunt. Go get, uh, uh, you know, Leonard Fournette. You said to me, hey, they still got Melvin Gordon out there. And then a lot of Ravens fans said, okay, good, Mel. It's going to be the Melvin Gordon show. It was not. It was Hill and Edwards, and they felt very comfortable letting it be Hill and Edwards. Are you in the camp that, hey, look, they're not going to get anybody. We don't even need Melvin Gordon to be a major component. We got our guys right here. 100%. Yeah, I'm definitely in that camp. And for me, Melvin Gordon's a luxury to have if he can – I don't even know if he was active today. I know they activated him off the practice squad. I don't. I didn't see him in the in the lineup. But that's a luxury to have is depth. And I've always, like Gus said, we're just like you have, Tom. And, again, it comes down to health, right? He was very effective running the ball. I think he had six yards of carry. Justice Hill, young, fast. It's another guy they can go with. So I'm totally in that camp. There's no need to bring anybody in. Let's run it back with the guys we have and hope that nobody gets injured because I like that dynamic that they have. Yeah, I think that Gus Edwards is one of those guys that um, the team likes. The team knows. They're familiar with him. It's just a matter of health with him. Uh, and, and, And I do think that Gus Edwards has always been a guy that has the trust of Harbaugh. Baltimore, home against the Colts, Tom. Ravens minus eight. Uh, you have to know the Anthony Richards status here. I, I like the Colts, um, but but this is a tough task. On the road, banged up quarterback or backup quarterback, going against Baltimore. You know, this is a tough task to, to go out there. I think that the Ravens defense is pretty spectacular at times, and they could really confuse them. 
I don't like laying the eight, but and look, even with Richardson fully healthy, I don't think I could take the Colts. Is this a sneaky eight, like unlike the Buffalo eight that we saw today? It can be because of the style of play. You know, Buffalo wanted to prove a point today. They were embarrassed on national TV. They were not going to take their foot off the gas. Like I said, they're going for it on fourth and two, you know, on the goal line, only up by a touchdown. They're going, you know, you you know what they're doing. You know, they're they're doing the big you know what uh, to to show the league, hey, we're still here. The Ravens don't have to do that. The Ravens could kind of sleepwalk through this, and we watched that in game one, right? Where they, hey, you got a nice win, but they sleepwalk, and then eh, maybe a backdoor touchdown. That would be concerning to me. You said the Bengals and the Rams in week three. That's This is the uh, Monday night game, number two, in Cincinnati. The Bengals, Tommy, a six-point favorite. I mean, how do you not like the Rams from what you've watched? We don't know if Joe Burrow's healthy, and he doesn't look healthy. Uh, the Rams look pretty darn good. I mean, yeah, they, they lost to the to Niners today. They moved the ball. You could make fun of, and I have, uh, Puka and Tutu and all that. They're running the ball well with Kyron Williams. They're throwing the ball well. Matthew Stafford once again proves when he's healthy, he's a really good quarterback. McVay's a really good uh, you know, coach, and you're giving seven points in this spot with a banged-up burrow? I, I'm sorry. I got to lean the underdog here again. Since we're talking about the Rams, you brought it up earlier. Field goal Makes this a 30-23 final. San Francisco wins the NFC West matchup. But, again, San Francisco looked damn good now. Two weeks in a row, Tom, and they've touched 30 both times. Yeah, they have. They're, they're, they're the dominant team right now. But I will say this. You you can find holes in San Francisco's defense where you go, yeah, you could, you could throw on this team if you get the time. Overall, though, San Francisco just looks fantastic. Brock Purdy missed a couple of deep throws. That He's not usually a guy that misses those deep throws, or else this one could have got away from them. Uh, to me, if you're talking about Super Bowl today, of all the teams in the entire NFL, the San Francisco 49ers look the most Super Bowl ready today after week two, which doesn't mean a lot, but they really do. They look like everything's clicking. They are that team right now. The Rams, Tom. Matt Stafford, I know it says he had 300 yards, but he put up a lot of those later in the game. Um, he looked like Matt Stafford offseason, end of last year, Matt Stafford, not the Matt Stafford we saw in week one. Yeah, Stafford, look, he could fling the ball, and I think it's always been about health with him. You know what I saw today? I saw a lot of smiles from Stafford. He was having fun. I think he likes these new young receivers and kind of – energizes him to have a little fun with these receivers. And then all of a sudden, oh, by the way, Cooper come back, a cup could come back in two weeks. That could be real interesting suddenly. Frisco, short rest, Tom, but they'll be at home to welcome in the Giants' 10-point favorite. Thursday night, short week. We don't know about Saquon Barkley, who may not be in this game. The Giants looked absolutely pathetic for six straight quarters. They couldn't do anything. I, I, I can't imagine them being able to move the ball. Yeah, Giants in this game, Tom, against the Cardinals, should have been a loss. They find a way to win it, though, 31-28. Um, if you're a Giant fan, you're hoping that they just woke up from whatever nightmare they were living in through six quarters, and that's the team you saw in the second half. But now it looks like Barkley's hurt, like you said. 
even at the last the last play, they showed Daniel Jones sitting down next to uh, Barkley. You, you saw him ask him, "Are you okay?" And he kind of shook his head. So I, I don't know what to expect here, Tom. Yeah, look, the the way the Giants got back into this game, Tim, was going deep. They went mm-hmm. deep and they went often, and they, they were they were just flinging the ball all over the place. That's not going to work against the San Francisco 49ers. Even though I said you could beat them deep, they're not going to consistently. The, the, the Cardinals just flat out have a bad bad secondary. Um, and they they were getting some pressure early on. But that's how the Giants got back into this thing. Guys like Darius Slayton and Hyatt. Um, so you take away Barkley and you make this team one-dimensional, uh, they, they, they don't have a prayer. How about we move on over to uh, – let's go to Big D for the next one, Tommy. Dallas coming off of that giant ass-whipping on Sunday night football, and they did it again to the New York Brethren, the Jets, 30-10, to Dallas 2-0, Dak 255, two touchdowns today. Jets, the Aaron Rodgers uh, – I guess the, the missing Aaron Rodgers era, week number one, Zach Wilson, three interceptions in the loss. Yeah, Zach Wilson looked a little spry with his legs, actually, but you can see just the ineptitude of, of him. Uh-oh, but he's getting too much blame. Look, this offensive line is terrible. I, and we knew that going in. Again, another team that I told you was not making the playoffs. People jumped all over me, and it wasn't because of Rodgers. It was because of the offensive line. Uh, you know, and outside of Wilson, who Wilson's going to force it to Wilson because he should, what kind of play calling was that? You want to scream about Luke Getze in the play calling. Let's go back to my favorite guy to make fun of is Nathaniel Hackett. Brees Hall touched the ball four times today, Tim. He rushed the ball four times. You know what he did? He took to social media. He put up four little footballs, right, four football emojis with a dot, 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 because he was so annoyed. Sauce Gardner was so annoyed at the play calling, he actually canceled his Twitter and just shut down the account. Um, Nathaniel Hackett is a clown. He's always been a clown. He's a terrible offensive coordinator. And if you have a guy like Wilson at the helm who is clearly limited, you've got to be an exceptional offensive coordinator. He's the other way. So next week, the Jets home against New England. This is a pick I don't know why it's a pick I mean, I think New England is clearly better. Uh, Wilson's going to be seeing ghosts again. <laughs> I mean, why, why is this line where it is? I know the defense is very good at the Jets. I get that. And nobody believes in Mac Jones and the offense of the Patriots. I get that, too. I have no idea how this line is just a one. And Dallas, Tom. Opportunity to be 3-0. and They go to Arizona. Looks like 12. Arizona fights. I mean, they play hard. I'm not saying they're a good team, but they play hard. Da- Dallas defense just looks like the best in the league right now. They are playing on another level. And that, granted, they have taken on Daniel Jones and Zach Wilson. I get that. Um, but they are playing on a different level. And guess what? They're now taking on uh, you know Dobbs, so it's not much of an improvement. <laughs> I, I don't know if Arizona scores, but I don't know if I can lay 12 and a half. You look at the Cowboys' record. It should be 3-0, and right, Tom? Then you get New England at home. Got it. I'll give them a win there before they take on a, so- a SoCal trip, or, or actually, let's go with a California trip. They play Frisco, and then the Chargers, and then the Rams. So, five, what's that? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, six and one, five and five and two. Yeah, 
Yeah. And Dallas is starting to be. Look, Dallas was your Super Bowl winner in no. a stunning, stunning turn of events. Uh, you're starting to look like a prophet, too. Baltimore was my Super Bowl winner, but they beat Dallas to to win that. Oh, but they beat Dallas. Sorry, yeah, right. Uh, NFC winner, we'll say. Yeah, you're starting Correct. to look like Correct. a prophet, though. <laughs> That's Tommy Barton, Tim Unglesby. Let's take our final time out here on a Sunday. We'll get through the rest of the afternoon games. Look forward to Monday night football as well. We'll think we might be able to squeeze in a little baseball as well here as we come down the home stretch on Heatwave Sports Super Sunday Night Fox Sports Radio. <laughs> more games to get you through here on Super Sunday Night. Heat Wave Sports. How about this one, Tom? This, this was a fun one to watch. Denver up 21-3 in the second in the first second quarter. Washington comes all the way back. In fact, they take a 35-24 lead in the fourth quarter, then hold on for dear life as a two-point conversion failed with no time remaining. Washington 35, Denver 33. This was a lot of fun. You know, I, I looked at the in-game, um, and <clears throat> sometimes, you know, I get $25 free play this or 25 And I looked at the in-game, and I said, wow, they're 20, 22 to 1 uh, to, to win this game. And I said to Abby, I said, man, I'm going to use one of my free plays. And I went to look for one of my free uh, $25 plays, and, and I didn't have any. And I said, ah, they're probably not going to. and i i just wanted a little something fun for that um washington's an interesting team they really are howell looked good again robinson looked like a beast their offense uh has multiple weapons and and again i think a lot of this has to do with denver just being terrible at the end of the game the hail mary and everything else um exciting fun game i'm not sure what to make of this washington team because their next their, their test is coming up right you took on Arizona. You barely beat Arizona when we thought Arizona was terrible. But maybe Arizona's not as terrible as we thought. Then you beat Denver in Denver. Good, solid win. But you still gave up 33. You know, you know your defense didn't look so good. So your defense looks good in week one. Doesn't look good in week two. Your offense doesn't look good in week one, but they look good in week two or in second half. Now, you, now you're taking on a Buffalo team and a Philadelphia team in the back next two weeks. Buffalo, Philadelphia, back-to-back. Buffalo at home uh, next week. I don't know what to make of this team. Is it an offensive team? Is it a defensive team? Does this team run more than they pass? I'm still not sure what kind of team Washington is. Are they a legitimate, hey, 2-0, maybe make a run in the playoff type of team? Maybe that team that comes out of nowhere because of a soft schedule and whatnot? Or are they, hey, the the Denver win is kind of fluky, barely got out of Arizona, and now they're going to be exposed by Buffalo? What do you take away from the Sunday night or what we saw last? Dolphins 24, Patriots 17. I said it before the season. If the if I knew that Tua was going to be healthy, for what, what, what would it take to 20 games to win the Super Bowl, right? If I knew Tua was going to be healthy for 20 games, I would tell you that they were my Super Bowl winner. I said that clear as day. The Dolphins were my Super Bowl winner if I knew Tua was going to be healthy. Well, he's healthy, and they look like a Super Bowl contender. Uh, but I say that with trepidation. Two has never gone 20 games, right? We, we've never seen two healthy. We've never seen anything like that. But I do think that they are a Super Bowl contending team. I like all facets of their team. I, I, I 
like what I watched with the New England Patriots. I don't think you could get down on them, even though they're zero and two. But this is about the this is about the, the Dolphins. The Dolphins under with with this team and with their philosophy and how they're playing, they could beat you through the air like we watched against the Chargers. We're gonna throw it with Hill. We're gonna throw it with Waddle. We're gonna go to Craycraft. We're gonna go to Berrios. We're gonna go to Smythe. We're gonna, they, they went to everybody. And it reminds me of one of the great offenses that we're going to see. This wouldn't shock me if they're the best offense in the league this year. They look near unstoppable. Tonight, okay, you want to shut down our passing? No problem. We're going to run you with Mostert and Ahmed, and we're going to do short passing game, and we'll take what you can give you. On the defensive side, hey, we've seen some interesting things, right? Chubb, Chubb looks like a little bit better this year. Zavian Howard looks a little better. Oh, by the way, people forget Jalen Ramsey's coming back in two or three weeks for this team. I think the Dolphins are a Super Bowl caliber team, Tim. I really, truly do. But it all depends on the lefty behind center. I only see a couple spots with the line for the next week's game, but it's Denver at Miami, Tommy, six Dolphins. I don't know how you don't jump all over the Dolphins here. Um, I don't know why the line's six. What have we seen in Denver to make you believe that they can do anything, especially on the road? You know, why? Because they put up you know, a good fight against Washington. Well, you also lost the battle. You put up a good fight against Vegas. You also lost the battle. I don't think Washington and Vegas at home, oh, by the way, and at home, oh, by the way, I don't think either one of them are, are a real threat here. Um, Russell Wilson led the rushing attack today with 56 yards. In Las Vegas against a, a team that we watched get run all over, Williams ran for 52 yards. I, I think this Denver team is broken. I don't think that they have anything working for them. To ask them to go on the road and beat a Miami team that I think is a Super Bowl team or could be the Super Bowl, I think they could be the, the best team in the league. I, I don't know why it's six. If that, I'd feel better if this line was like nine. But being six, I start to get a little nervous. They're calling this a doubleheader, but it's not really a doubleheader, Tom, because the games start within an hour of each other. But there's two more to go to week for week two. Saints, Panthers, New Orleans, a three-point favorite on the road. Yeah, look, I get it's on the road. And I, like I said earlier in the show, I like this Panthers defense. They have names. Up front, they have the push with Brian Burns. In the middle, they got Louvu and they got Thompson. Okay, Good middle line, very good middle linebacker play. Uh, in the secondary... Yeah, you have, I know that, that they're down a corner, but you do have Jeremy Chin there. I'm looking at Carolina, and I'm just saying, I think you could stop and slow down the Saints. They don't have that passing option. Williams is efficient, uh, but okay, you are looking at a team that, against the Titans, they were, like we said, a pass-first, pass-all-day team, and they looked impressive, barely got out of there alive. Their defense should be their calling card, and I think it will be here. So Bryce Young, Monday Night Football, big lights. Who's who's his go-to guy? I don't know. Who's the guy that he's going to be able to pass the ball to? I'm not sure. This has a, a feeling of a ugly, you know, not running game, just ugly, mistake-ridden game. I don't want to touch it, but I, I think you have to go with the Saints. And the big rivalry game, AFC North Browns at the Steelers. Looks like it's come down to now Cleveland two, just two fav- two point favorite at Pittsburgh. Look, this is this is about. Do you believe in history? Do you believe in numbers, statistics, and trends, or do you believe in what you watched last week? 
If you believe in what you watched last week, the Cleveland Browns are going to beat up on Pittsburgh. They look really good. They ran all over Cincinnati. They controlled the clock. They they did everything they wanted to do. Miles Garrett was doing crossovers before he was rushing Joe Burrow. <clears throat> they were working with everything. Pittsburgh looked lost. Pittsburgh looked pathetic against the Niners. Pittsburgh looked like lifeless. They couldn't do anything offensively. They can't run, can't pass. They're done. It's over. But if you want to look at some statistics here that go back, the Steelers have won 20 straight Monday night football games at home. Guys, let me repeat that. Pittsburgh Steelers have won 20 straight Monday night football games at home. The Pittsburgh Steelers have won 19 straight years at home in the regular season against the Cleveland Browns. The Browns have not beaten the Pittsburgh Steelers in 19 years in Pittsburgh. These are our real numbers. Mike Tomlin as a home underdog, 16-5-3 against the spread. And then you go, well, Tom, you know what? That's all ancient history. Uh, Okay, well, the X's and O's. How about Jack Conklin? The all-pro tackle is out for the Browns. So, you know, you can... You can start to look at this game as, what do we believe? Do we believe the history? Do we believe in Tomlin? Do we believe in the fact that an offensive lineman is down? Do we believe that that is what we should put our money on? Or do you want to believe in what you watched last week with your own two eyes? That's what it's coming down for for, for this game here, Tim. Yeah, what we saw with our own two eyes was Cleveland looked dominant and Pittsburgh not. I would say... You know, outside of Dallas, the, the two most disparaging outcomes, right? I think Pittsburgh lost worse than anybody else except for that Dallas Giants game. And I would say Cleveland's win was bigger than anybody else's. And that mm-hmm. sticks in your mind. That's hard to get to get over. That's hard for a betting public and a, and a regular guy to sit back and say, okay, I'm not going to believe what I watched in game one. I'm not going to believe it. That's why game two is just so impactful because it reassures us. If the Cleveland Browns go out there and lose tomorrow – we're going to say, okay, it was week one. It was in the rain. Joe Burrow's hurt. It is what it is, right? Eh, Pittsburgh just came up against a tough San Francisco team. But if they win, now all of a sudden, wait a minute, Browns are a serious contender. Let's take the Browns series. And the Steelers, well, they're a mess. They're, they're, we we got to start looking at them. It's crazy to think, and we talk about this on overreaction Sunday, but it's reality. You go 0-2, it's time to start overreacting. I saved us a small portion of time here, Tom, to talk some Major League Baseball. About 10, 10 to 12 games left for most teams. We see we saw Tampa and Baltimore clinch playoff spots today in the American League. So we have Tampa, Baltimore, Minnesota should clinch here in the next couple of games. Leaves you the American League West winner and the three wild cards. So Houston right now leads the West. Tampa, Toronto, Tampa, Texas Toronto, are your three wild-card teams. Wild teams. Mariners are a game, back. Are a game back. Yankees, six and a half. Yankees, six and a half. What happens here in the, next week? Here in the next week? Yeah, look, the, the Yankees can't lose to Pittsburgh today or else they could have made things interesting. right? I mean, they, they could have. They're eliminated. A, a loss to Pittsburgh, you, you're eliminated. Um, Tampa's in. We know that. So mm-hmm. this is Toronto, Texas, and Seattle. I, I, and I, I think it's going to be Texas and Seattle. I think Toronto is going to be on the outside looking in. Toronto is a team that has to play the Yankees six times. And say what you want about the Yankees. I know they lost to Pittsburgh. They've won 15 of 20. <clears throat> They're going to go down with a fight, right? And I think that Toronto schedule playing the Yankees, who actually want to fight and try to win, is going to kind of hurt them. Seattle's pitching will keep them through, and Texas' hitting is better. 
you look at Vladimir Guerrero has, has just after he led the league in home runs the year that I cashed the ticket and told everybody online uh, on here, he's, he's just been a shell of himself and they don't have the guy to rely upon right now. They don't have that guy uh, that everybody's looking at. You go, okay, but you're the, you're out Julio Rodriguez. You're out Corey Seager. You're our, Oh, I don't have an offensive guy. You know, you don't have that. So I know that they have a game in hand, um, but I think Seattle and Texas take it. I think you're going to get three teams in the West. Could those teams pass Houston up and win the division? Yeah, they could. Uh, you know, you, you've got to really start looking at, um, you know, Houston failing. Almost. I thought Seattle was going to be the team. You know, I thought Seattle was going to be able to catch them. But Seattle has now lost uh, six of the last eight. They've lost three in a row. Now they do get Oakland. But they also get Texas three times and Houston three times. It's in Seattle's hand, but do you want to be playing Texas and Houston over the next nine games? I certainly don't. You know, I don't want to be playing that schedule, especially that I just lost six of eight and I just lost three in a row. Um, yeah, I think that's that's a little rough. Well, speaking of losing, uh, Texas has lost three in a row, but they get Boston and Seattle at home, then your Angels, and they finish up four against Seattle on the road. And that's why, you know, you can't love the Texas schedule because of, you know, who they play. I think that Houston is in. Um, I think Seattle's got the tough schedule. I think that Texas can get a tough schedule if they can't kind of clean up on the cupcakes, and the cupcakes being the Angels in Boston. Uh, but but it looks like it's good. Now, you look at Toronto's schedule, like I said. Toronto starts three on the road against the Yankees, three on the road against Tampa, three at home against the Yankees, three at home against Tampa. Division rivals in that spot where you have to go the next six on the road? I, I, I don't know. I, I just don't think it's going to be in the cards for Toronto. Toronto, yeah, they didn't. The schedule makers weren't, weren't good to them. Here's Houston's last twelve hey, just, games, Tom. Yeah, give me I'm Houston. Sorry. Okay, six straight at home. They get Baltimore, Kansas City. They end the year six on the road at Seattle, at Arizona. The Kansas City series might might be what puts them over the top, right? Mm-hmm. I, I mean, that that look, you got to think. If they're able to take three, they have one and a half. They're one and a half games up on uh, Texas, right? With what twelve to play, right? Yeah. So if they, that means that Texas has to play two games better. We'll say if Houston can add three guaranteed wins with Kansas City in there, right? And then for the other nine, let's say they even go four and five, that still means that they went seven and five, which means the Texas Rangers have to go like nine and three, you know, it just becomes a numbers game at that point because you have Kansas city. And that's the same thing with, by the way, that's the same thing, you know, when you're turning around here and you're, you're looking at a team like Texas, you know, they, they have the angels, you know, uh, these teams, you have to just start racking up with you. You have 12 games to go. Houston has to feel comfortable that if they go over 500 with 12 games to go, if they go seven and five, they're winning this division. On the American League, or on the National League side, excuse me, Atlanta should hit 100 wins this week. They're in. Dodgers, 91 wins. They're in. Milwaukee, six-and-a-half game lead over the Cubs. Let's put them in as division winners, which leaves you three wild cards, Tom, and this is the fun. This is the fun time. Philly, three-and-a-half games up. Put them in. We'll put them in. They're in. Yeah, they're in. 12 games to go, you've got a three-and-a-half game lead. You're in. So we got... 
two spots, and we have technically five teams that are still around. The Diamondbacks just swept the Cubs, pushed them into a playoff spot. The Marlins and the Cubs are tied for the third. The Reds are a half game back. And, Tom, even the Giants, just two games out of that last wild card spot. Yeah, look, I'm taking the Giants out of it. I'm taking the Giants out because you've got to make up two games on how many teams. They also have seven less left against the Dodgers, right? <laughs> you know, and they have to go to Arizona for two here. Uh, I- I'm eliminating the Giants. Just, you know, it- it's too much to make up too many teams. So at least Reds, Cubs, Miami, and Arizona. If you were to ask me about five days ago, I told you I think the Cubs are going to be the team. I thought the Cubs would be in. Uh, I don't like what I've watched here. They have spiraled out of control. And this is a team that wasn't supposed to make it. They made a little bit of a run. Not only have they lost five games in a row, by the way, two to Colorado, they've now lost eight of their last ten. Now, they do get Pittsburgh and Colorado at home. That's six straight. Six straight that they could rattle off six straight wins, and that's why I thought that they would make it. But then they go to Atlanta and to Milwaukee for the last uh, six. I'm still inclined to say maybe the Cubs. So let's take a, a quick look at everybody else, right? If I'm if I'm leaning the Cubs, I thought the Reds would have an opportunity because their schedule late in the year, we've talked about this about a month ago. I said, man, if it gets close, the Reds' late schedule is kind of a joke. They also get Minnesota, Pittsburgh at home, at Cleveland, at St. Louis. Here's the problem. Minnesota playing well. Pittsburgh's, you know, they are who they are. At Cleveland, at St. Louis, I, I think the Reds are going to just miss this. And I think the Reds are going to just miss this and still feel good about the season that they have. I know it doesn't; it's no condolence to, to Red fans out there, uh, but I feel that way. Arizona? Arizona's coming on strong, aren't they? I picked mm-hmm. Arizona before the year to make the playoffs. I, have, I already cashed my Arizona uh, team total win. They have now won three in a row in a spot they had to. They get San Fran at home then at the Yankees, at Chicago, and back home against Houston. It is not an easy schedule. But I would call it a a, a middling schedule. You could beat the, the White Sox, you know. You don't know what the teams are going to have. Houston, what are they going to care for at the last three games? Maybe not much. So I'm leaning right now, Cubs in Arizona, but here comes Miami. The Miami Marlins, who just lost Sandy Alcantara, the Miami Marlins, who uh, have been up and down all year, look at their losing streak, winning streak, but they just beat Atlanta in three straight. Not only did they beat Atlanta in three straight, they scored 36 runs in three games, Tim. Their offense exploded. They now get three against the lowly Mets at home, three against Milwaukee at home, three more against the Mets, three more against Pittsburgh. I'm putting Miami in, Tim, which means I got to take somebody out. Who am I taking out of this? Is it going to be the Cubs or Arizona? I think you know my answer because of what I just watched. I just watched Arizona steal the wild card. I think it's Arizona, and I think the last wild card team, the Miami Marlins. You like the Marlins with Garrett, Lusardo, Perez, and Cueto? I like the Marlins because they're playing the pathetic Mets for six. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I... I, I, I like the Marlins because their schedule is just... Look, let, let's just be real here. Let's dig into this Marlins here thing for a second, okay? They have Cabrera against Buto tomorrow. Favorites. Garrett against Lucchese. Favorites. Perez against Senga. Oh, okay, maybe they'll lose that one, right? So we'll say two or three there. Then they go 
uh, three against Milwaukee, but they have Lazardo against Hauser, and this is at home, okay? So I think out of the next six games at home, I think they take four of those six. Then you go to the Mets. Gara against Lucchese, Perez against Sega, Cueto against McGill. I think you take another two, okay? So we're getting six wins there. Then you get the Pirates, the last weekend with the Pirates. Let's say you take two or three there. That's eight wins. You got That means you got to go nine wins to, to take them out because they have the Mets for six, Pittsburgh for three, and Milwaukee at home for three, which I don't think they get swept. That's why I like the Marlins. Mm-hmm. I, I really like their bullpen, really to tell you the truth. Okert and Nardi and Puck, Robertson, Tanner Scott's become a decent closer. I like the bullpen there. I just, uh, when I look at the team overall, it's going to be fun to watch them make the playoffs, Tom, but they're... Uh, they're fish food for every for just put it that way. They're, the Marlins are fish food for the top guns in the in the National League. But who are they going to take on? Look, Atlanta and the Dodgers get buys, right? Yeah, yeah. So Atlanta and the Dodgers get by, um, which means they got to kind of avoid Milwaukee. If they if they can avoid Milwaukee and you get Milwaukee against Arizona, let's say, right, which is very possible. Philly, Miami, it's a division rival. Anything can happen there. I mean, I think Philly's better, but but yeah, look, Miami's not doing anything big this year. But neither are the Arizona Diamondbacks or the Cubs or San Francisco. There's no wild card team. Even Milwaukee, who has that great pitching, and I've been screaming it for years. This is Atlanta Dodgers, and let's be honest, it's not even Atlanta Dodgers because the Dodgers pitching staff is garbage. It's it's Atlanta. It's all Atlanta. In the American League, it's more fun. I could see Seattle, Texas, Houston getting hot. I could see. All right, not Minnesota. I can see Seattle, Texas, Houston getting hot. I can see Baltimore getting hot. You know, I can see one of those four teams in the, in the World Series. Maybe even Tampa. Can Tampa do it? I don't know if they can get over their injuries, but maybe. The AL is fun. The National League, it's the Braves. <laughs> it is. No, you're right. You're right. You're going to need to take out the Braves. You're going to need Corbin, Burns, Peralta, and uh, Woodruff to pitch like we've seen them pitch in spurts consistently. That's how you take out the brace. Or Philly, Aaron Nola turns into Aaron Nola two years ago. Wheeler turns into Wheeler two years ago, right? And that's what you're going to need to take this team out. And right now, you know, nobody else is going to be able to do that. To stop that offensive onslaught, the only team that really could do that is maybe Milwaukee with that intense pitching. But let's be real. It's Atlanta and everybody else. Kansas City, Tom, 102 losses. Las Vegas A's, 103 losses. Colorado has 93, and the White Sox have 93. We could have 400 lost teams this season. Uh, do you, you, you think you think the White Sox and Rockies get there? Seven losses, five games. Yeah, they. Yeah, I mean, they could get there. Do you do you think that they both get there? <sighs> I mean, we can go to the schedules, Tom. That's what we do. All right, let's go to Colorado, and and they need seven losses here. Can we find seven losses? They've been playing well, by the way. One, five last six. They're at San Diego, okay, I know San Diego's garbage, but let, let, let's say they lose two. They get one win there. Okay, well, two losses. At Chicago, Cubs are going to need that one. That's two. Mm-hmm. Right, so they're, they're four, four losses. Oh, yeah, they could get there. Four against the Dodgers, three against Minnesota. All right, Colorado's going to be a 100-loss team. Yep. Hey, you convinced me. Uh, Kansas City, 
Let, let, let's see. By the way, Colorado had an extra game. I didn't realize it. No, Chicago, uh, White Sox. Oh, White Sox. Yeah, well, I was going to say Kansas is already 100 bucks. White Sox are going to be tough. We just talked about a little bit of their schedule, right? How they're uh, kind of up against it here. White Sox is still not throwing out Dylan Cease and stuff. I don't know. Let, let's see. Can we find seven losses with the White Sox who have lost five of the last six? Three against Washington. Well, that helps. Three against Boston. That helps. But they're both on the road. Then three against Arizona. Three against San Diego at the end. Ooh, I don't know. They got Clevenger. Urena, Schlotzkins, Toussaint, Cease. Ah, oh, man, this is, uh, I think they're going to be very close. I'm going to say that they get there. I think we have four 100-loss teams. Yeah, I, I agree. I think Boston, Arizona, they might not win a game there. That, that's, that's it right there. It's over. So, Especially, look at the Arizona needs those. They might get that Cease game. Yeah. Arizona needs the wins, and they're throwing Gallon, yes. Gallon, Kelly, and Fott. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Four hundred lost teams. But San Diego gave up like in the beginning of the year. They have no backbone or heart, so they <laughs> they might sweep San Diego to lose to, you know, kind of avoid that hundred. There you go. I I, I saw a um. saw a guy that had, on social media, Tommy, had said something to the effect of that Minnesota was the dark horse of the Major League Baseball playoffs. And I just, <laughs> was like, unbelievable. Like, dark horse. Did Johan Santana and Kirby Puckett suit up that I don't know about? <laughs> Jeff Reardon came out of retirement to close them out, right? Yeah, a little Kent Herbeck action, right? I mean, right. come on. <laughs> it's going to be fun to watch, though, man. I think it's fun because we're going to – Outside of Houston, we're going to get some new blood, you know. Texas is new blood. Baltimore, obviously, is new blood. You know, the Seattle would be new blood. Mm-hmm. Uh, Toronto would be new blood. You know, you, you have a lot of new guys. And, and it's not new blood they're going to get knocked out in the first round. You know what I mean? Uh, you're, it looks like Baltimore's already going to get a bye. They're going to be playing in the second round. So a lot of new blood out there outside of Houston. And even with Houston, it's a, it's a little bit different of a team. In the National League, again, it's the same old, same old. Atlanta, Milwaukee. Philly, Dodgers. Dodgers. Yep. You know, it's the same it's the same thing. American League is going to be a lot of fun. The National League is going to be, you know, Lamb says Lord. The, the National you know what it is? It's raw against SmackDown. Raw yes. is the American League. It's fun. It's exciting. It's great. National League is boring because it's Roman Reigns who barely <laughs> fights. Nobody likes anyway. Uh, but he's just so good. Yeah. Uh, there, there you go. My WWE reference of the night. Hey, the Rock did come back on SmackDown the other night, so I did see his fifty-one-year-old yeah. uh, bald head out there. <laughs> He's a big boy, big boy. <laughs> that, that's all natural, though, right, Tom? Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. don't don't Barry Bonds. Don't, do not whatever you do. Do not Google uh, the Rock and implants. I'm just I, I'm just saying, don't do it. <laughs> I I wouldn't do it if I. I mean, there might be some performance-enhancing situation there. <laughs> Come on. You naturally have a giant vein coming out of the middle right. of your forehead. Like that. Would you be upset, and, and you're a baseball fan in general, would you be upset if it was Houston and Philadelphia again in the World Series? Yes. 
Okay. Yes. <laughs> yes. Very much so. I want somebody new. I'd be upset if Houston, no matter what. I want somebody new in the American League. Give me Texas with Corey uh, Seager. Give me Julio Rodriguez, you know, and Logan Gilbert in there. You Give me your Orioles. Oh, man, I want your Orioles for sure. Give me Toronto. Let's see them catch uh, Kevin Gaussman in the, in the World Series. Give me somebody fun from the American League. I know they're probably going to lose to Atlanta, but give me somebody fun. Houston's about the only team I don't want. Even if you make, listen, you want to put Minnesota on a crazy Minnesota run? I'll get behind that. I'll get behind Tampa, the banged up Tampa Bay Rays with like nine guys that are on the DL and, you know, just just a mess in the mash unit. I'll get behind that story. Houston's the only one that's boring. And if they win, it's disappointment. Oh, hum. On to next year. On to next year. And we're going to go on to next week, Tom, as this one is coming to an end tonight. Let everybody know about Tom Barton Sports and Tommy Barton. Guys, go check it out. I do have a Monday night football game up tomorrow night. TomBartonSports.com, another winning week. Two weeks, two winning weeks. Went 2-0 in my level three plays in college football on Saturday. 2-0 in my level three plays today in the NFL. I am absolutely crushing early season. And I have one of my biggest plays of the year tomorrow night in Monday Night Football. Come and check it out. It's TomBartonSports.com. It is TomBartonSports.com. All right, Tommy. We'll talk to you next Saturday night, my man. Have a good one, guys. For Tom, Mateo, Tim Unglesby, have a great sports week. We'll talk to you Saturday night at 10 o'clock right here on Fox Sports Radio Las Vegas. 98 night FM, 1340 AM. Good night. This is what it takes, that's the difference I've been waiting for this all my life It's my time